you can turn me with me to Luke chapter 2. This is where one final sermon in our series on relationships. Per the usual when I'm preaching, I've borrowed heavily from a lot of people. And so if there's anything good, you can give them credit. And if there's stuff that misses the mark, you can blame, blame me for that part. We're reading verses 39 through the end of the chapter. This is God's word. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray that he would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, I believe in your Holy Spirit. I believe in your Holy Spirit. I believe in your Holy Spirit. Too often, we do not acknowledge the absolute central work of your Spirit that we might understand your Word. But this morning, Father... I pray that he would be at work in our hearts and our minds to help us understand what it means to belong to you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So family traditions are a fun, interesting thing. A lot of them are tied up with the holiday season. Maybe you got to experience them if you went home or if you had people to your home. And, and traditions are interesting because they require things of us. Sometimes you have to bring a dish or a gift or an ugly sweater or something like that. Oftentimes you have to travel maybe seven and a half to eight hours with three kids in the car, just as an example. But we, when you participate in a tradition, you also get something. Maybe you get a gift, or maybe you get to taste that dish. Maybe you get to experience the glory that is bakey, eggy, cheesy, which is a casserole that my mom makes every Christmas morning. 
She used to ha- make one for the whole family, but then she realized she needed to make one for the whole family and one for my brother and I to share because we were going to eat it all. The traditions uh, exemplify what it means to belong. Because when we belong somewhere, when we belong to a group, when we belong to a family, there are rights, there are gifts, there are blessings that come to us by nature of that belonging. But there are also responsibilities and requirements and, and commitments that we are to do, to fulfill, because we belong to that family. And Jesus, in this passage, shows us what it means to belong, what it means to belong to God, but also what it means to belong to a family. And he does not show them as direct competitors, but how they fulfill each other and how they they lift each other up, this mutual belonging, ultimately to God, but also to one another. And just to set the stage here, We've got this, this example of Mary and Joseph. They're very devout, and so they're going to the Passover feast. And they go, they participate, and as they're leaving, you'd leave with a huge group of family and acquaintances. And Jesus, as, as he's 12 years old, would, might, be, might have been with the women and the children. He might have been with the men. He's kind of in this, this tweener age. And so Mary's like, oh, he's probably just with Joseph. And Joseph's like, oh, he's probably just with Mary or with cousin whoever. And he's not. And so they go one day's journey out, and they're like, where is Jesus? And so they go one day journey back, and then they spend a day looking for him. So that's the three days. They weren't looking for him in Jerusalem for three days. But they they find him in the temple, and they ask him rightly, what is going on? What have you done? We have been in great distress, is how Mary puts it. And he responds, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And in this, he communicates that that he belongs to God, that he understands that that his, his primary role, his primary purpose, his primary identity is as the son of man, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity who has come to the earth and taken on flesh to do the work of his heavenly father. Some translations even say that. Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? They say, do you not know that I must be about my father's work? See, he, he understood. He said elsewhere that he came not to do his own will, but to do the will of the one who sent him. He understands that when he belongs to God, there are things that, that are required of him things that he should be doing. You can actually trace this line through Luke, and he says over and over again, I must preach. I must go to this location. I must suffer. I must die. I must be raised again. He understands that that because he is God's, because he is, is aligned to God's purpose and God's will, that he has to do certain things. One of which is, is being in his father's house. But also, as he read, we read earlier, he would want to be there. He would want to be in the presence of God. This, this temple, which was this physical representation of God's presence among his people. 
that the God of the universe, the, the living God who made all things, who rules over it all, who sustains it all, would want to come and sit and be with his people. And so Jesus says, I must be there. I desire to be there. And again, you can trace this thread throughout the Gospels as again and again and again. There's just these little notes. It's not, not a whole passage. It's not a whole focus. This little note of, and he went off to pray. And he retreated by himself in prayer. And oftentimes, it's at really inconvenient places in his ministry. He just does this huge miracle. There's tons of people following him. And he's like, all right, bye. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go be close to my heavenly father because I am his son. He understands that when you belong to God, there are things that he calls you to, that he desires you to do. But there's also a blessing of being able to come into his presence, being able to come into a special relationship with him. And the thing about this is Jesus is not alone in this. Because in Christ, you and I belong to God. And so we are called to live a certain way. We are called to, to bear out certain fruit that we see outlined over and over again in Scripture. God desires certain things for us because we are his. But also, we, we get to participate in that special relationship as we see Jesus, it says repeatedly that he grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with God. He, he had a, a deepening awareness in his human nature of the love of God for him. And such that at the end of his life in, in John 17, in this high priestly prayer, he says, Father, I do not pray for these also, but for those who will believe in me, that they will be one just as you and I are one. He, he draws us in to that father-son relationship. He doesn't draw us into the Trinity, but he draws us into that, that deep affection, that love of a heavenly father for a heavenly son. Just as we confessed earlier that we can pray, that we should pray because God is our father. That he loves us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to give us good things because we are his. What happens when we forget this? What happens when we forget the reality that we belong to God? Well, the simple fact is we were created to belong to God. And so if we decide we don't belong to God, whether we realize it or not, we are going to start trying to belong to something else. Maybe it's something silly. Go all in on a sports team. This is where our whole identity is. Maybe it's something more, more uh, realistic, more understandable, like our job. This is everything to me. Maybe it's, it's something even not, not, not bad, like our family or a, a relationship with a spouse. And, and everything in our life is centered around this entirely, such that we have rights and responsibilities and blessings, but when, when we feel we have to do whatever is asked of us, or when we don't get what we feel is owed to us, we, we rage, we grow angry, 
because we are owed these things. I'm doing all the stuff I should do. Why am I not getting what I deserve? When we forget that ultimately we belong to God, we're going to be very confused and concerned when, when other people are not worshiping us. Because when we think we belong to an, an idol, when we think we belong to something else, what we're really doing is saying, I belong to myself. And I get to decide what is important. I get to decide what I'm owed. And when you don't live up to that standard, there's a problem. But when we do remember this, when we, we help remind each other that we belong to God, it can be a beautiful thing. Maybe it, it means that, that our conversations are just covered with the question, what is God doing in your life? Most of the time, what do you say when you, when you talk to someone? Hey, how's it going? How you been doing? Totally fine question. What if the next one is, what's God been teaching you recently? It sounds a little weird and awkward, maybe, because we don't do that. But what if we had a culture of, of constantly inquiring, what is God doing in your life? Because if you do belong to God, he is doing work in your life, whether or not you realize it. And sometimes someone ha- asking you the question can even help spark you to consider, what, what is God doing in my life? And when you hear people's answers, You can be encouraged. Wow, I had no idea the Lord was blessing in in this way. I had no idea the fruitfulness of their ministry and their workplace. I had no idea the joy and the beauty of their children growing up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We can be encouraged and uplifted. We can be drawn closer together because the reality of belonging to God is that we don't do it on our own. It's not that TJ belongs to God and each one of you individually belongs to God. It's that we belong to God. And as we draw closer to him and an understanding of what that means, it will draw us closer to one another because also we belong to each other. You see here in this passage that Joseph and Mary were devout, law-abiding Hebrews. They understood what it meant to belong to God on some level, on a deep level. And so they they sought to fulfill all of the law. It says they performed everything according to the law of the Lord when Jesus was born. And then it goes on to say, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feasts of the Passover. This is a noteworthy thing that the, the Hebrews were required to go every year, but it wasn't necessarily an altogether common practice. But, but Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, they were devout. They did go every year. And Jesus went with them because he was part of their family. Because he belonged to his parents on some level, he did what they did. There's a, there's a formational aspect to our families. What your family do, families do is going to shape who you are. It's going to shape what you do, what you care about. And we see that is even true of Jesus. And so he goes with them. And when he gets lost and they come to him and they ask this question, where have you been? They demonstrate that though they understand what the law is asking of them, they did not quite understand what was going on with Jesus. For all their understanding, for all their their piety, they didn't remember the promises 
that were made about this child, Jesus. And, and I, I bring that up because it makes it all the more astonishing that as soon as Jesus says, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Luke records that they did not understand. They did not understand the saying he spoke to them. Immediately it says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. They had no idea what was going on. They had completely forgotten what God was doing through his son, Jesus. And yet Jesus went with them and was submissive to them. The, the language there for was submissive wasn't just like he obeyed on the trip home. Like this is perfect, continual, repeated obedience. You want to talk about the fifth commandment, honoring your father and mother? He did this perfectly all the days of his life. He was submissive to them because he understood that he belonged to them. They don't own him. Ultimately, he belongs to God, but because they are in relationship, there is a, a mutual belonging. He belongs to Joseph and Mary, and Mary and Joseph belong to him. This is why throughout Scripture, throughout even to the end of his life, he asks one of his disciples to care for her after his death. We see the fruits of this. He does obey. He is willing to be submissive to them. But also it says that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And this isn't just, you know, in spite of Mary and Joseph's best efforts, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. And so God just zapped Jesus and made him perfect. Jesus was perfect. He was born without sin. But God also used growing up in this devout Hebrew family to form him and shape him so that he would grow in favor with God and man. And stature. We kind of gloss over that point. <laughs> but that Joseph and Mary cared for him well enough that he was able to physically grow. And there's benefits that come from this belonging to them. Just like Jesus, we belong to one another. We don't own one another, but there is a mutual belonging for those who are in Christ. There's a, a natural belonging for all human beings. We belong to our family, for better or worse. We belong to our spouse or our children or our parents. We belong to our neighborhood or our community. We belong to our church or to our friends. There is a mutual belonging. Scripture even says of the church that we are one body. Not multiple bodies connected. We are one body. And when we forget this, then our relationships can just become perfunctory. They just become something that, oh, I've got to check that box. It's just, just all right, all responsibilities that I have to do. I don't get any benefit from this. Or maybe I'm not getting the benefit that I thought I would, and so I'm just going to let that relationship fall by the wayside. When we forget this, we forget the blessing that God promises. That when brothers dwell in unity, there will be life evermore. That when we are knit together, that we are, are built up together into Christ, who is the head. That we encourage each other with singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That, that relentless question, 
What is God doing in your life as we point each other more and more to him? We belong to each other. We belong to our families, even when they have sinned against us. Even when we sin grievously against them. And maybe you're sitting here and you have experienced that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There is, there is a, a through line, a truth that we belong to one another. And maybe that relationship will never be as good as it should be. Maybe it will never bear the beautiful fruit that you had hoped it would. But God has put you together And his grace is there to bring goodness, even in the midst of pain and struggle. And maybe you have been sinned against grievously. And you need to grieve that. You need to name it and say, this is wrong. I belong to this person and they belong to me. And they broke that belonging with their sin. And that was wrong. But then you need to take that grief and turn it over to God, knowing that he can provide a hundredfold beyond what we had hoped. Maybe you are the one who has sinned, and you need to repent. I saw recently someone said, never trust someone who's unwilling to apologize to a child. Parents, I say this as someone who does not do it well, we need to repent to our children, that we are wrong, that we, we need Jesus as much as they do, that we are looking as much to him for our hope as we hope they will. If you're here and you're a, a member of this church, this is kind of a paraphrase of the membership vows, but you have requested us to be up in each other's business. When you join the church, you are, you are saying, I am willing to invite you into my life to be in my business. But also, you are inviting me to come into your life and to be in your business. Not to be nosy, not to be uh, uh, needling, not to be busybodies, but to, to look at each other and say, I want the goodness and the beauty and the glory and the fruit and the promises of God for you. And so I'm going to get in there. I'm going to help you to see what God is doing, to see what God might be calling you to that you're unwilling to see yourself. I heard it said recently that, that whenever someone uh, gets lost in a, a TV show or movie, you see they, they get the stereotypical search party out and everyone's yelling in the woods, TJ, TJ, you know, yelling, trying to find them. How come we don't do that when it comes to church? When someone hasn't been there for a while. We don't get the search party together. I'm not saying we all ride up on their house, but we're just not all hands on deck. Where has this person been? Let's ask them. Where are they? What's going on? How can we help? Let's do everything we can because we belong to one another. Maybe this means that we need to devote more time with each other. Just time with each other. I'm not saying we need to have more parties, do more programs. But maybe we just need to say, I am going to devote. Just say, I'm going to tithe my meals. 21 meals a week. I'm going to tithe two of those 
to meet with someone else in the church just to enjoy their company and to help point them to God. Maybe it means we don't sign up our kids for that one sport that takes so much time away. Or we, we don't go on that extra vacation because it falls right in the middle of this wonderful time of fellowship with those around us. Maybe it means I don't spend as much time in the office because I belong to my family and I want to be there with them and community. We belong to each other and we belong to God. We are not our own. We belong to God. We belong to one another, but that also means that we're not on our own. There are requirements for us in relationship. There are, are askings and commitments and things that we are to do. But there's also blessings and encouragement and support and help that God gives us through those around us and through himself. That he has given us most chiefly in his son who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to and so deeply protected at all other costs but made himself nothing, who, who gave himself up to make us his. Let's pray that we would do that with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have bought us with a price, that you have so, desiredly, so desired to be our people. You have so desired for us to be your people. You have so desired to be our God that you have taken action, that you have taken initiative, that you have come to your people, that you sent your son as a child who grew, who participated in, in the struggle and the difficulty of life on this earth. Father, I pray that we would remember this deep belonging we have to you in Christ. That we no longer live to ourselves, but we live to you. Remind us of this. Help us to grow in our understanding of it and grow in what that means in the way that we live. In our relationship to you and the way that we worship and pray and serve. In the way that we love those around us and care, and fellowship. Do what we ask, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.